God, Scottish people swear so weird. <laughs> It's Friday, March the 23rd, and this is the Dutch News Podcast, your weekly chance to catch up with what's been going on here in the Netherlands. I'm Gordon Derrick, Dutch News Contributing Editor and Absentee Passport Manufacturer, and with me today is Dutch News Contributing Editor and New Mortgage Slave, Molly Quell. Our other regular panellist, Master Student and Musical Torture Victim, Paul Peters, isn't here because he's off on a field trip somewhere. So, Gordon, did you lose your passport again? Is that what the story is going to be? No, I didn't lose my passport, but the new shining blue British passports, that symbol of uh, independence and freedom from the European Union, are going to be made by a French-Dutch company. That's, uh, that's... So I'm, I'm going to be applying to, to um, do my bit to, to make these British passports, even though I'm probably the last person you would trust with your British passport, given that I lost one. Yeah, um, very if you, recently. If you could quite recently, yeah. yeah I, had, I had to take my passport out to vote this week. and uh, Was, was it bit, terrifying for you? I, I, I kept a very close eye on it, yeah. That's good. And uh, I thankfully managed to get it out of the door and back again safely. Good work. Yeah. Good work. So I'm improving. So uh, where is it? Where's Paul today? Paul, I don't have any idea. We don't really know, do we? We, we? But we know he's on a bus. Yeah. And he's he's got a driver who seems to have an unfortunate taste in music in that he's Dutch. So he's uh, <laughs> he, he's straight away slapped on a Genesis CD. Uh, and apparently he's now graduated to Dire Straits. Yes, so our thoughts and say. prayers are with Paul. Um, so I bought a house this week. Yes, you bought a house. Well, sort of paperwork pending, but yes, yeah. I bought a house. Yeah, yeah. the boyfriend and I... Uh, I don't know, became adults, I guess, and, yeah. uh, and, are, and are in the process of purchasing a home. Which is great, really exciting. It's really exciting. So for the next 25 years, you're working for the bank. Yeah, basically, yeah. we're working for the bank. Yeah. We are, uh, we're very excited about working for the bank. Yes. And uh, if all of the Dutch News podcast listeners c- could come over and help us repaint <laughs> our new house, that would be great. Great, yeah. But it's in a nice place, nice nice house, a nice part of Delft. It is. It is in a nice yeah. uh, nice neighborhood. It's a very burgerlijk little like three-story, you know, sort of typical 1930s Dutch row house. Yeah. And uh, yeah, we really like it. We're very excited. So. Lovely. Yeah. Yeah. This week, we're focusing on the winners and losers from the local elections, plus Dutch football rolls out a technological revolution, and it turns out that wind farms and nature reserves don't mix. In case you hadn't noticed, local elections took place in 335 municipalities across the country on Wednesday. Koen Links grabbed the headlines as they eclipsed D66 in Amsterdam and Utrecht to become the biggest party in those two cities, but elsewhere it was mainly a celebration of local politics. Leefbouw Rotterdam and Groep de Mos in The Hague were among the numerous locally-based groups that beat the main parties. Altogether, they took nearly 33% of the vote, while the biggest national party, the Christian Democrats, polled 13.5%. Turnout was slightly higher than four years ago at 55%. Voters also narrowly said no in an advisory referendum to a law that will give security services wider powers to tap internet traffic. There was an election? I had no idea. Yeah, there was an election. Oh, yeah. is that what that's that was That's why all, all those posters were up with, with 316 different candidates on them. Oh, is that what that was about? Yeah. Yes. So how was your voting experience, Gordon? I assume you voted. It was just quite exciting for me. It's the first time I voted in a proper election, if you don't count the water board election from a few years ago. Oh, I count the water board. Oh, okay. I count the water board. Yeah. So, yeah, I, I, as I said, I took my passport out and managed to hold on to it, and uh, and I voted. Yeah. And how about you? You, you and Paul went together. Paul and I had a date. It hand was very hand. romantic. Yeah, we yeah. did. We went to, uh, we did our usual election thing where we go to the city hall in Delft and vote in the beautiful old building and then uh, we go get ice cream lovely yeah it's a lovely way to celebrate democracy basically yeah what flavor of ice cream I got uh, white chocolate and caramel sea salt and Paul got some kind of cookie speck cook maybe and stracciatella Okay. Yeah. Right. So we can deduce what uh, which way you voted from your ice cream flavor. Basically, maybe. yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. without a doubt. 
The election in Rotterdam dominated the headlines before polling day, with a fierce contest on the right between Leifbauer Rotterdam and the PVV, and an electoral pact on the left that collapsed within the day. In the end, the PVV took just two seats, while Leifbauer retained 11 of their previous 14. Behind Leifbauer was a cluster of national parties on five seats, the PVV, Labour, D66 and Links. Leifbauer leader Joost Erdmans said he wanted to include all his nearest rivals in the coalition. Five seats were also shared between two Islamic parties, Denk and Nida, who were expected to resist Erdmann's plan to curb the number of Muslim shops in the city. What is a Muslim shop? Ask uh, Joost Erdmann's, uh, but he seems to think there are too many of them. I'm very confused by what this it's is. It's a very like. strange thing, I think, in a mercantile nation to say, uh, you know, if there's an empty shop unit in your high street and there's a Muslim butcher who's going to bring 200 customers along, you're going to say, no, we don't want that. But the, <laughs> but the Muslim butchers also, like, have very delicious and tasty meat. Exactly, I don't yes. understand what the problem is yeah. here. It was really, uh, so I was in Rotterdam last weekend and it really was a, a romp tourismo over the uh, posters because we discussed last yes. week on the podcast that the political parties were upset with the Gemeente for the placement of the political posters you know telling people to go out to vote and stuff and so they all spent a lot of money putting up their own posters and they were everywhere Mm -hmm. it was like you were being stalked by life bar posters Groen Links was the big winner in Amsterdam, boosting its share of the city council vote from 6 to 10 seats. Deza Sestig slumped from 14 to 8. The VVD stayed the same with 5. And the Labour Party, PVDA, lost 5, going from 10 seats to 5. Denk and Terry Baudet's Forum for Democracy each took 3, having held none previously. The numbers leave a left-leaning coalition difficult, as Groen Links will need 4 other parties to get a majority. There are now nearly as many parties on the city council in Amsterdam as in Parliament. The city has 12 parties represented. Yeah, and also um, Bayane, I think, are going to uh, get a seat on there. Yeah. Silvana Simons. Uh, yeah, Silvana yeah. Simons' party got one seat, and yeah. then there was a few other ones that got one seat. So it was super divided. Yeah, and uh, Thierry Baudet presumably happy that he well, managed to bag three seats. He was uh, dancing about it. He was. Did uh, we discuss the Terry Baudet dance? The Terry Baudet dance dance dancing, yes. It was, uh, I suppose this is the time to mention the Terry Baudet dance. He was, he, he was we will to... link to a video of the dance, right? Will we? I think we should. <laughs> okay. But Tony he was trying to make a point about something, and his microphone wasn't switched on. So he shouted into the microphone, is this switched on? Because nobody heard him, because the microphone wasn't switched, wasn't switched on. on. Is that how that works? That's how no it works. Idea. Yeah. And, uh, and, and, and then he got up and danced uh, about yeah, it. And, and very so. awkwardly. Yeah. And I declared, not only that are Dutch people no longer allowed to write novels, but they're also no longer <laughs> allowed to dance. In The Hague, the independent Groep de Moss, headed by a former PVV MP, sprung an upset by winning the largest share of the vote with nine council seats. The Feyfe Day was second with seven seats, while Dezus and Zestig went from eight to six. Richard de Moss's former boss, Geert Wilders, saw the PVV's representation on the council slump from seven seats to two, and that means they took fewer votes than the Animal Rights Party. is very happy about that. De Moss's group is a local populist right-wing party that believes in welfare to work, stricter school discipline, and a more car-friendly road network. It also says no theme is too small. It will need to find at least three partners for a coalition, and there's plenty of choice with 15 parties on the council. A more car-friendly road network in The Hague? Yeah, I don't get that either. It's such, it, a, it, it's such it's an it's odd right-wing sticking point, the car thing, I think, it, here. Especially, especially in this country. You, know, yeah. you wouldn't have thought that um, you know, being anti-bike would get you many votes in the Netherlands. But uh, partly he thinks that the road's being narrowed too much uh, for, for cyclists, but also he wants to um, stop the kind of spread of paid parking zones. It's quite a recent thing in The Hague. It oh, wasn't, okay. wasn't paid parking. 
in the suburbs until quite recently. Okay. And lots of residents, well, some residents are upset, but others are quite happy because it means there's more space to park. Right, outside for the them. houses. Yeah, yes. exactly. Interesting. Dutch politics is a strange, no. strange animal. Yeah, a lot of the other coalition uh, or potential coalition partners um, are a bit um, wary of Demos because he's um, on record as a climate change denier. No, well. oh, come on. So, uh, what are you doing, The Hague? <laughs> what are you doing? So I think when he was in Parliament, he, he, he called environmentalists uh, flat earthers and uh, the party hasn't signed up to the um, you know, the, the, the environmental uh, agreement. Well, and also remember there's been court cases in the Netherlands about uh, where the government and local government have been compelled to you know, work harder to work towards pollution targets. Yeah. And so you know, the fact that you're now a party in one of the largest cities that hasn't signed up to this could cause all kinds of problems. Yep. As we said, the big winner last night was GroenLinks, who also picked up the largest number of seats in Utrecht, taking over from Dezessestad. The PVV, which pinned a lot of hopes on the city, only picked up one seat. With GroenLinks up three seats from nine to 12 and Dezessestad down three from 13 to 10, the city will need at least a three-party coalition. My in-laws live in Utrecht, so they mm. were they were happy about the GroenLinks win, but are not oh. super happy about the uh, imbalance of left-leaning parties there. Yeah. As with all elections, there were some weird, odd, and crazy news from around the country. Pim Town's former driver, Hans Smolders, who pursued Fortown's attacker after the fatal confrontation, doubled the number of seats at his party, Leist Smolders, picking up five on the city council in Tilburg. Yes, he did name the party after himself. He's good at spotting the burning issues. I'm yes. sorry to our listeners, Gordon wrote that pun into the script. Paul DeYoung won't be returning to the city council in Breda after an Omroep Brabant investigation revealed that the city is basically a Sopranos episode. <laughs> De Jong of the Breda Staatspartei was revealed to not be paying his bills and also to be banned from working in the horeca industry, in the service industry. Mm. These revelations resulted in seven members of his party's candidate list quitting days before the election. There's been controversy around this party since it refused to sign a legal agreement put forth by the city's mayor, promising to reveal the nature of party funding signed by the 12 other parties on the city council. Mm, so, so yeah. and Brabant's everyday, being Brabant. An basically. everyday tale of Brabant folk, I think, basically. Exactly, yeah, pretty yeah. much. Yeah. But yeah, this is kind of an interesting thing at the end, actually. The, the, I've seen a few noises made about uh, the fact that local party funding, actually like national party funding, is not very transparent. Right. And there's a lot of questions about, you know, these local parties are only based in one place, so often have small numbers of volunteers. Where do they get the money from to run election campaigns? Right. What I thought was kind of interesting about that is, is of course, like all of the other parties were more than happy to sign this declaration, and, uh, and, and Young's party, party was uh, not. Yeah. Yeah. In a context where you know there's been a lot of concern about uh, biker gangs and drug dealers infiltrating politics down in Brabant and local mayors getting death threats and all the rest of it. So. Yeah. That yeah, kind of the interviews for this article, I mean, if you, we can probably link to, we'll link to the Ombre Brabant investigation article, it's actually really interesting, but they mm. were talking to all these city council members who were like, felt very afraid of De Young and, and then said that, you know, that they had been intimidated or like threatened in some ways, you know, not necessarily dead horse in your bed kind of threatened, but in, but in other ways. I just find it very interesting because Breda is such like a little quaint town. It like, looks like on the face of it, doesn't it? Yeah, it? It's, but it's not. It is in Brabant <laughs> and you know what goes on in Brabant. Were there any other uh, interesting election stories that you, uh, that you enjoyed, Gordon? Um, one story I liked was about um, a 24-year-old student who was arrested in Rotterdam because he sent fake letters around to people saying that you had to take a test before you voted. It was very, very persuasive. It looked like an authentic council letter uh, with a deadline and all kinds of the usual kind of um, officious language that right. you get in Dutch letters saying, you know, with a, saying you must respond by, I think, 12th of March, whenever it was. Basically saying to people, they had to go online, take a questionnaire, and if they failed, they wouldn't be a a- to eligible to vote. Yeah. Oh, I, mean, <laughs> I think a fair few number of people fell for this before somebody, you know, wised up to the fact this isn't what you do in an open democracy and they reported to the police yeah. and now this kid's been arrested. I, th- I think the quote I saw was that uh, it seemed to have been connected to some kind of school project that just got out of hand. 
<laughs> what are they teaching kids in Rotterdam? And uh, who was it that got the first votes, official vote in? It was, uh, it was an the, island. Yeah. In the Vodden Sea. Yes. What well, is the name of that island, Gordon? I don't island, remember what the name of the island is. What's the name of the island, Gordon? It wasn't Fleeland. It wasn't Tessel. Was it Tessel? I think it was Tessel. Tessel wasn't Fleeland. Was it Tessel? It was Terskelling. No. No? No, it wasn't Terskelling. It was Kiermonik Koch. Oh, that island. Right. That one. Crooked Monk's Eye. Crooked Monk's Eye. Of course. As well as the municipal elections, there was also a referendum on the controversial new law to extend the powers of the security services to check your phone records, emails and internet traffic, dubbed by its opponents the Slatevet or Dragnet law. NOS's exit poll indicated the vote was going narrowly in favour of the law, but when the votes were counted, the result was 47.34 and 48.9% against. Turnout was 51.5%, well above the threshold needed for the vote to be valid. Wait. But that's... Explain this math to me, Gordon. <laughs> right, okay, yes. So we have uh, neither of the two sides actually got 50% of the vote, which meant there was all kinds of scramble on Thursday morning on um, uh, social media about whether this was actually a majority. And the Electoral Council put out a statement explaining how it worked. Uh, what happened was that a number of people who voted just put their ballot paper in blank. They white-balloted. Yeah, they white-balloted. And I think some people just protested against the idea of the referendum or yeah. having a referendum on this. And that meant that we uh, that about 4% of votes were just, just blank. Some people seemed to including some uh, one of the Deus and Sester MPs, said that that meant it wasn't a majority. The Electoral Council said no, it was, because although those votes count towards a turnout, they don't count towards the result. The result is just simply who has more votes, which uh, the two okay. yes or no sides has more votes. But I think there's something kind of uh, fitting that in a country where most of the land is below sea level, we now have majorities that are less than half. A sea eagle found dead on a farm in Lelystad, is believed to have crashed into a wind turbine, according to experts at Wageningen University. The five-year-old female eagle sustained devastating injuries, including broken wings and legs. This setback aside, the species has been doing very well since being reintroduced in 2004, with an estimated 44 chicks having been hatched in the Osvaldersplassen nature reserve. Which is another setback for the Osvaldersplassen, because uh, there's been a big debate about whether the um, the whole project to reintroduce wild animals there has gone too far. Yeah, because yeah. they're 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 hungry, and so they're hungry, there's exactly. not enough food. There's not enough food, and during the winter, people were turning up with uh, bales of food for the animals. They're worried about them starving, yeah. and the rangers are trying to turn them away and said, "No, this is this is just nature at work. You know, if, if it gets cold and animals die, that's how it's supposed to be." Right. Yeah. People, but people don't <laughs> like people, this. Yeah, that can compute in people's minds, and they actually got really angry. And in, in the end, the rangers had to let them in because they're worried they'd be like riots. they start kicking off yeah so the dutch can't get a they get a less than 50 percent majority all their land is below sea level and they riot over starving animals <laughs> yes. what a country we live in gordon what a country in sport video referees will be used in all eredivisie and cup games next season after an experiment by the dutch football association was deemed a success referees on the pitch will be able to consult video analysts who can view incidents from different camera angles the Canfe Bay has trialled the system this season in cup matches and last year's promotion playoffs. It'll be extended next year to 324 games and follows the decision by FIFA to revise the laws of the game to allow off-field video analysis. I stopped paying attention. I know you did. It's yeah. about sports and I don't yeah, care. Yeah, it's about sports. And there's also uh, this evening, Friday evening, um, a friendly match between uh, the Netherlands and uh, England. Okay, that's, so, that sounds okay, great. A football is, game. So, is, that a football, is that soccer? What uh, is this uh, game? It's called football. We'll be dissecting the results of the municipal elections after this word from our sponsors. Here in Holland is a new podcast for internationals living in the Netherlands. 
It is a twice-weekly podcast which focuses on the stories of internationals and experts. The podcast covers topics from manners to chance encounters, and they interview the Dutch and non-Dutch alike to get their insights, advice and stories, ranging from the funny to the sad. Here in Holland is currently creating an entirely crowdsourced podcast and welcomes your submissions. You can send your stories via WhatsApp. Find more information on their website, www.hereinholland.com. The podcast is available in iTunes and other podcasting apps. If you are interested in reaching an international audience with your product or service, you can email to podcast at dutchnews.nl for our competitive advertising rates. This week's municipal elections confirmed the fragmented nature of Dutch politics, with as many as 15 different parties winning seats on some local councils. At the same time, local politics is an increasingly local affair, with one-third of the votes going to parties with no presence outside their own district. Yet, national parties still see the elections as a barometer of public opinion, and with more powers being devolved to local authorities in recent years, town hall administrations can be a shop window for parties' political programmes. So, what's the shape of local government, and how did the main parties get on? Let's talk winners and losers first. So, Kroonlinks... Yeah, Kroonlinks were the big, uh, big headline winners, because they won big in the cities. Across the country, um, they did well, yeah. but uh, it, was, it was kind of magnified in uh, Amsterdam, Utrecht, where they, they, they topped the poll, yeah. um, and they overtook D66. So they did very well in, in some places. I think across the country, the Fefe Day did well, especially as they are, they've now been in government for uh, you know, nearly a decade, yeah. and yet they're still picking up votes. I'll- yeah, yeah, although Ritter predicted they would be the largest party nationally. He did. He did made, not happen. No, he made a speech, uh, which turned out to be fake news, after the exit polls, where he said he believed they'd become the largest party, which has been the CDR, the Christian Democrats, for years and years. Although the Fefe Day ran them very close, the CDR were still the biggest of the national parties, but with only just over one in eight votes, yeah. which tells you how the kind of the vote for all the national parties has really shrunk yeah. uh, in the last couple of elections. Yeah, and it's shrunk in part because local parties are up a lot. Yeah, because uh, this year local parties got a total of 32 points seven percent of the votes, which is one in three. Yeah, I think in the last election it was, it was about twenty-eight percent. And now even in the cities, Leifbau Rotterdam uh, are well established. They were one of the first big local parties. But now you have Hoop de Moss in the Hague. You have Leicest Smolders in Tilburg, which we these. talked about. And uh, one local party uh, in a place called De Rusel de Meerden, uh, Samerwerking, got an outright majority. So they actually got eight of the fifteen council seats. Wow, so that's they, they're, they're governed by themselves, which yeah. is very rare in Dutch politics. Yeah. Um, and some local parties have uh, emerged because they've broken away from the main parties. So it's, this has happened especially to the Labour Party. Yeah. Lots of local groups don't want to be associated with the Labour name. You know, the PFDR have really collapsed um, in all in lots of co- parts of the country. For example, in, in Viet, in Limburg, a group of former PFDR councillors formed their own party called Dus Viet. Uh, they stood against the PFDR and they won three seats to one from yeah. the Labour Party. Yeah, yeah it was... Uh, it Stip picked up the student party in Delft, the biggest... Uh second biggest after Groenlinks, but yeah. they picked up, I think, seven seats here, so it's, uh-huh. it's yeah. Are big. they likely to get on uh, yeah, yeah, the yeah. council administration they are now? Always, uh, they're always big in, in Delft, but yeah, it, it's sort of, local parties are always sort of very interesting. It's kind of interesting to see their, like, party brochures and stuff like that. Yeah, and see them out on the campaign trail as well, because I know Hoop de Moss sort of went around in a battered up limo. Yeah, was sort of, uh, sure, as you do. <laughs> Everybody streets, needs yeah. a stunt. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's such a, I mean, coming from a place where you sort of have two political parties to choose from always, it's, yeah. a, very, uh, it's a very different kind of uh, thought process. So, Gordon, tell me about Truby's favorite uh, favorite political party and how uh, they fared. The, the one party that always gets the vote from your house, uh, the Partij van der Dieren, yes. the Animal Rights Party, they did very well. Uh, they stood in 15 municipalities and uh, they picked up 29 council seats, wow. so they gained in a lot of places, either where they hadn't stood before or where they had stood before. And it's one of those things that a lot of attention goes to new parties like um, Thierry Bidet's Forum for Democracy and Dank and, uh, and 
Dank yeah. and all that. Sort of, and actually, the Pefe they, they don't get anything like that kind of attention. But they 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 keep turning up at elections and they keep doing well. And Mariana Tima was very justifiably very happy with uh, her party's performance uh, this year as well. Yeah. Well, Trubu Tru was very happy with. I the bet outcome, he was. Of course. Yeah. yeah. So uh, so how about the losers? Who's who's not so happy after Wednesday? Uh, well, the big loser was Deses and Sesta. Yep. They were um, the biggest party in three of the cities going into this election, and now they, they finished second or third in all of them. It was always going to be hard for them because last time they did very well. I mean, they, they broke the Labour Party hegemony in Amsterdam, um, and uh, it was always going to be hard for them to replicate that result, especially as they're now in coalition. So, I mean, you know, right. parties in government tend to do less well, although, as we said, the Fefe Day have actually been doing well. A bit Teflon-y, those very Yes, day, they are. Yeah. Alexander Pechtold and Thierry Baudet had this big run-in during the campaign, and it was um, head-to-head, and Pechtold sort of had this stance that he should take on um, these sort of right-wingers like Kate Wilders and yeah. uh, Thierry Baudet, but I don't think that goes down well with all voters. Yeah. I think there's a bit of a backlash to that, and also, I think, their stance on the referendum, mm-hmm. given that they were the party always of direct democracy right. and things like elected mayors, and they actually introduced the referendum law, and then they became the party that was the front of the campaign to repeal it. Yeah. And I kind of get a sense of all this really more an instinct than evidence that that they that they took a bit of a tanking from the voters for that as well. Yeah, I think I, I, could, I could agree with you with that. Wilders, uh, Wilders didn't have such a great evening. Yeah, well, it was kind of a funny thing. PVF um, started out standing on uh, with representation on two councils from last time, and uh, this time he wanted to stand in 60 municipalities. He couldn't find enough good candidates, so he cut that to 30. And he, he said he had a good night, because he now has representation on all those 30 councils, but, I mean, he cherry-picked councils where PFF did well in the last election for Parliament last year, but actually, the returns were pretty modest, really. It's pretty slim pickings. They're no longer the largest, largest party in Almira. Um, also in The Hague, I mean, had seven, they, they nearly topped the poll last time. They had seven seats, which now cut to two, because there have been all kinds of problems and infighting with the PFF group in The Hague as well. And, you know, other places like in Fenlo, which is Wilders' hometown, they finished fourth. And in some places they finish as low as 10th or 12th. Yeah. Uh, so I don't see it as a good result for PFF at all. I think he, he started out with high hopes and ambitions, and I think he got fairly slim pickings, really. Do you think that some of those, I mean, there's a lot of like smaller local PFF affiliate parties who maybe don't carry the name, but do carry the sort of anti immigration car-loving party situation of the Pei Builders, I think, stood hoping that he could scoop up some of those votes. His reasoning before we went into the election was that there were lots of people in the municipalities who were voting for parties that were like the PFF, and if the PFF stood, those votes would transfer to the PFF. Uh, it didn't really happen. It didn't happen. Especially in Rotterdam. I mean, Leifbau Rotterdam is a party that uh, is quite similar in its stance on things like migrants, immigration right. to the PFF, but most of those voters continue to vote for Leifbau. And, I mean, in, in The Hague, Hoop de Moss was started by a guy who was um, deselected by Geert Wilders yeah. as a PFF MP and then went to found his own party, stood against Wilders in the last council election, and now he's eclipsed him completely. Yeah. He's, he's done the thing that Wilders wanted to do last time, which is right. to take control of the council. And it was also not a good night for the, uh, for the Labour Party. Any discussion yeah. I've ever had about Dutch politics has not been a good night for the Labour <laughs> Party because I haven't lived here for that long. Yeah, so. exactly. No, the, I mean, the decline of the Labour Party just carried on. It's hard to say whether this is uh, actually a worse result than last year's Parliament elections when obviously they lost three quarters of their seats right. or whether they've just bottomed out here. Hitting rock that, bottom. that collapse really just filtering through. Because in national polling, they are starting to recover a little. A little. But they're not up to the levels that they were at like even five years ago. Yeah. But in Amsterdam, I mean, they're down to like single digits. On yeah, which is amazing right? given that they ran the council for, for half a century. Very long yeah, time. since the dawn of time, basically, yeah. and uh, and now, like you say, they've got five seats. I mean, they weren't in the coalition last time, and uh, yeah, no guarantee they will be this time either.
yeah. Speaking of Amsterdam, there's some uh, some newcomers to the city council in Amsterdam. Cherry Bode picked up three seats. And... Yeah, we're recording uh, before the Amsterdam results have been confirmed, uh, which is on Friday morning. And uh, Thierry Bode uh, looks like winning three seats with Forum for Democracy, which is a respectable but not spectacular performance. Right. Uh, I think he was hoping for maybe four. Do you, um, think it, uh, do you think it justified the dancing, Gordon? I don't think anything could justify that dancing. <laughs> but he, he got uh, three seats. So too did Dink, um, who also have won seats in Rotterdam. They've won seats in Utrecht. And the, uh, about 13 of the 14 municipalities they contested in Schiedam they were second place wow. with 11% of the vote I would not have predicted that no well I don't know a lot about Schiedam's demographic but obviously I mean, they take a very strong vote from the um, uh, the Muslim community right so presumably Schiedam has quite a large um, uh, uh, Turkish Moroccan yeah. minority and the, and the Unabur Museum is there it's an excellent uh, ah. an excellent place to take visitors excellent well yeah. that's, uh, I've noted that and also uh, Nida who are not a new party they were but um, they had seats in Rotterdam before. They're again um, an Islamic party. Yeah. They've also won seats in The Hague. And uh, also Bayane, which is a party started by Sylvana Simons, who was the front runner for Dink briefly before the last parliament elections and then um, fell out with them uh, over their views on um, the representation of women in politics. Yeah. Uh, so she started her own party called Bayane, and uh, she, it looks like she's going to win a seat on Amsterdam City Council yeah. as well. So, uh, yeah, interesting. Lots of like new new sort of things popping up. Yeah, that's true. So what's what's the next step? we got to build some coalitions. I assume that'll take three to five years. It will take a huge amount of time, yeah, right. up, up until the next council elections, yeah, probably. Yeah, of course. Because uh, local government has the same structure, basically, national government, so you have uh, a proportional election, and then after that, uh, the parties get together and try and form a majority coalition, which in many cases, given that, uh, you know, we have so many parties on these councils now, we're looking at three-party, four-party, sometimes five-party coalitions. I mean, right. The Hague, after the last elections, had a five-party coalition yeah. in the council. And then they uh, they form majorities in what's called the Collegia from BNV, the uh, Buchemeister and Wethouder, so the, uh, the mayor and aldermen. So they, they have a kind of cabinet system. Yeah. So the, the executive is separate from the elected councillors. The largest party doesn't always end up in the coalition. Sometimes they can't get a majority together. And then the second largest party has to take up the running. And the other thing to say is, I mean, the local elections have kind of become more interesting in a way because more power has been devolved to councils over the last couple of years. It's been kind of a Fefe Day drive because Fefe Day is a party of small government. So, so they tried to scale back the central government and give things like, I mean, for example, uh, youth services are now completely funded and operated by, by local councils, by the yeah. commanders. That kind of thing gives them an awful lot of power and it gives parties the opportunity to do experiments at local government level. So in Utrecht we've had this, um, you know, there's been a lot of talk about introducing a, um, a minimum income. Yeah, a UBI. Uh, a UBI yeah. and that kind of thing. Um, and, uh, you know, some of the councils in the south started the kind of Vietpass experiment a few years ago which didn't work out very well at all. No. I mean, this is a thing where, you know, if you wanted to go into a coffee shop you needed to be a, a card-carrying local resident. Yeah. And uh, they introduced that. That became a national policy. And of course, then some other councils like Amsterdam said, we're not going to enforce this. Yeah. So it can work the other way. Sometimes the national government introduces a law and local councils uh, dig their heels in and uh, actually sort of obstruct it by, for example, telling the police not to, you know, enforce n- n- not to enforce it. Yeah. 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 And there's also been some stuff with uh, environmental zones. It, Arnhem's banned diesel engines in the city centre. Yeah. Utrecht has done some of that kind of yeah, stuff. Yeah, Utrecht did that first. And then Arnhem has come up with an even stricter yeah. um, provision where I think now if you've got a diesel car from before 2005 yeah. you can't drive into the centre of Arnhem right. uh, so yeah so things like that well it allows for some space where on a smaller level you can have some inspir- experimentation with policies that like you know you probably couldn't get past at the yeah. at a higher level um, and so you get to see okay well d- does this work is this UBI thing effective is yeah. this a good way to reduce pollution by banning cars in city centres and so the the model the concept is is that right well you know Utrecht does this then Arnhem says oh yeah this we also think is a good idea and then it 
like spreads a little bit more and then yeah. after a while there's enough for a national consensus for the national government to say yeah, indeed. you know this has worked out really well so we're going to enforce this nationwide yeah that's true and, and also things like I mean, the, 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 there was uh, in, in the last government um, agreement there was an, an idea to try and uh, introduce cannabis production which is going to happen at the local government level and local governments have been invited to apply to set up kind of cannabis farms so the coffee shops have a legal supply route which at the moment they don't and that causes all kinds of problems with uh, organized crime right. getting into the uh, supply chain we see you brother we see you <laughs> yeah. that's all we have for you this week this podcast is a production of dutch news which can be found online at dutchnews.nl we'll include links to everything we've talked about today in the liner notes and you can now send comments compliments and abuse by email to podcast at dutchnews.nl if you want to help us out you can subscribe to our feed give the podcast a rating and share it my thanks to molly quell i'm gordon derrick and we'll be back in two weeks time yes uh next week is good friday so we are off and then we will be uh, back on the following friday We're taking Good Friday off, yep. as we should, to yes. celebrate the birth of, now the rising of Jesus. <laughs> Jesus did something, right? He died.